Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the We Got Balls podcast. It's me, your host, Steve Trudeau. Alongside me, Mikey Almeida, my co-host, Manuel Pacheco, sitting with, with us today. And today we are joined by a special guest, Brad Lambert, really interesting guy. Um, he's a producer, talent manager, and international speaker, has experience working with the Pittsburgh Steelers all over Hollywood. He's doing a couple of really cool active projects now um, in Hollywood. So we're really pleased to have him with us today. I want to thank you, Brad, for joining us. How are you doing today, man? I'm great, man. Thanks for having me. Great, great. So this guy's got a really interesting story. Um, he started his career doing some really small time stuff in football. Um, I know you worked with the Pittsburgh Power for a little while. Yep. And now um, you're big time. You're with the Pittsburgh Steelers. <laughs> you help out there um, big time in Hollywood. So this guy has a really interesting story. I just kind of wanted to ask you, you know, how did you go from being small time with the Pittsburgh Power to where you are now? You know, you're not just a sports guy anymore, right? You're all over the place doing many things. So can you kind of give us a little bit about your journey? Sure. I mean, it's pretty simple for me. I'm a passion guy. That's, that's what drives me. So, you know, growing up in Pittsburgh, being a diehard Steeler fan and Penguin fan, and we don't talk about the Pirates. Um, but I basically, you know, really resonated with, with sports and it was my life. So growing up uh, in high school, huge fan, obviously. And I wanted to find ways to actively make my passion for sports, specifically Pittsburgh sports, a bigger part of my life. So what I did is I tried to analyze and look at opportunities to add value. So I actually got connected with the Steelers players first before I even worked with the power. So in high school, I got connected to the team, I've been around the Steelers organization since like 2005 and that's actively working with the players. So the first player I got connected with was uh, two time Super Bowl champion fast Willie Parker and uh, got connected to him. And when you're able to build these authentic, genuine relationships with these guys, you meet more of the guys and build more relationships. So uh, each year I kind of reload, re up and reload, whether it be free agents uh, acquisitions, draft picks. I meet the new guys and I introduce myself and I'm like, Hey man, been around the team for a while. I'm from Pittsburgh, whatever you need, your family, I got you. So that's basically the approach I've taken since high school. And I've assisted with these guys from a marketing standpoint, a business standpoint, PR, social media content, what literally whatever they needed, I was a guy that they would pick up the phone and call. And, you know, most recently Eric Ebron came over from the Indianapolis Colts and uh, in the offseason, I reached out to him and was like, hey, man, welcome to the team, your family now. I got you. Whatever you need, hit me up. And he called me and he was like, hey, man, I need a house. And I was like, well, I'm not a realtor, but let me see what I can do. So I started making calls to my relationships in, in Pittsburgh and, and around the industry and actually helped get him his house in Pittsburgh. So once again, it, it, it's the through line of passion and then adding value Whatever it may be, it could be something so stupid. It could be something hugely important like a house, um, like whatever it is. I, I try to help these guys any way I can. So uh, that's how I started off in the sports industry, working with these guys since like 2005. And then just kind of expanded upon that, went and worked with the Pittsburgh Power for a little bit, working with a guy like Lynn Swan, obviously a Hall of Famer and, and four-time Super Bowl champion. So just – being around those guys and, and the teams that I love and, and the players that I actively support on and off the field, you know, it was a really cool experience to be a part of. And then, you know, when I was in the uh, sports industry for almost 10 years, I was like, all right, what's next? You know, I, I feel like I've done a lot in the sports industry. And at that point I was like 24, 25 and I'm like, all right, I, I really want to pursue entertainment because in high school I started working at a movie theater guy you know tearing tickets and sweeping up popcorn and trash like i just fell in love with with film because i would get basically free tickets working at the movies so i would literally go see any film any genre and i would just like be at the movies all the time and that's where i really expanded my palette and my love and passion for film and uh with that i was like all right so i have to be involved in this now so I, I checked the boxes for sports working with all my favorite athletes and my teams and stuff like that i was like but i really want to get into into hollywood and be a part of these these characters and ips and studios that i i love so it was like how can i add value around those things and who can i help and and i was able to 
you know, the chips fell and I had the opportunity to move out to LA and work with Robert Downey Jr. and his incredible team. So I immediately dropped everything and, and moved from Pittsburgh to LA. And I was with Downey and his team for almost a year. Um, and then moved on to Warner Brothers and was at that studio for two years, uh, managing the marketing campaigns for TV, film, and catalog titles. And uh, that's where I really found myself as a producer uh, because I was actively producing the campaigns, the content, the strategy. Uh, they would give me lump sum budgets that I would have to allocate. So I was negotiating and, and getting the best deals possible for our campaigns. And not only that, negotiating the money, but also saving a ton of money in the process, um, but still getting what we needed to have successful campaigns. So I was actually, I managed three Clio award-winning campaigns, which is basically, you know, the Oscars for marketing campaigns, if you will. Um, so that was a really cool opportunity to be a part of those. Uh, that was fantastic beast and where to find them. Uh, the Harry Potter spinoff series, um, the Lego Batman movie, and Kong Skull Island. Those were the three campaigns that I managed for the, the Clio Awards. So, um, And after WB, I left, and I've been independently producing uh, everything from features to TV shows to music videos to commercials, social content for brands and studios to managing talent, uh, whether it be influencers, athletes, creators, artists, uh, anybody who needs help basically growing in their career. I love seeing people happy. I love adding value. Um, it makes me happy to see others happy. So the, the talent management side is something I really enjoy. And then on top of that, I speak uh, when I have the time. So most recently I spoke in Sao Paulo, Brazil, uh, not this, it was 2019. Mm -hmm. um, so that was uh, a dream and and I have the Growth Now Summit in February and uh, a few podcasts this month. So just constantly trying to spread good vibes and help where I can. Yeah, really, really interesting stuff you're into. It. It's crazy because you have your hands into so many pots. Um, so you, you're a talent manager, producer, and international speaker. Of those three, which one do you find you have the most passion for and which one do you think is the hardest endeavor for you? Because they're well, very different. Correct. But also they're very much the same. Uh, the through line through all three is adding value and being a, a person of service. So as a producer, I'm serving my team, whether they mm -hmm. be the filmmakers, the talent, the staff, like it's my job, whatever it, whatever it is to get it done. As a talent manager, I'm serving my clients and the people who I'm trying to elevate and get opportunities for and make sure that they're successful. And then as a speaker, I'm serving the listeners. How can I help you? How, what can I say or do to add value to your life? So yeah, they, they seem very different, but in reality, the through line is service, adding mm -hmm. value and support any way I can. Um, but in regards to which one is my favorite, I don't really know. I mean, uh, each and every day, I kind of dabble between all three, you know, some more than others, depending on the day, but it's... Uh, I'm grateful to have the opportunity to, to live my life around my passions and, and I'm actively trying to continue to do that and grow in that regard. That's very cool. Yeah. I like, I like the, the thought process of just adding value and, you know, cause when I looked at who you actually collaborated with, you have a very diverse portfolio. I don't know if portfolio is the correct word, sure. but you have several digital artists. Um, you have a, a custom shoe artist in uh Kickstradamus. You have athletes, obviously, skateboard designer, Bear, Bear Walker. So it's just a very diverse group of people you work yeah. with. And I guess, you know, when I looked at who you actually collaborated with, I'm like, well, that's really different. But I guess, you know, the underlying theme is you're just looking for anywhere to add value um, to each one of your clients, which that's really interesting. What's interesting about the clients, though, is if you take a deeper dive, a lot of them live in the pop culture space. So that's where, that's where I live. That's where I hang my hat. I mean, look behind me. You can see I'm a huge pop culture guy, huge comic guy, nerd, whatever you want to call it. I love that stuff. So for me, you know, Bear Walker, he, he designs these skateboards, but they're all, he has a niche in the pop culture space. Kickstradamus, tremendous artist. He designs shoes in and around the pop culture space, which also includes sports. So these guys that I collaborate with, there has to be something in common. And generally mm -hmm. there is, we share passions, we share relationships. Like there's something, a through line there that connects and that's where the relationship is successful because I'm not extending myself in an area that I know nothing about. 
right? So I'm familiar with pop culture. I'm familiar with sports. My experience lies there. So I'm never really like a fish out of water, like, oh, medical stuff. Like, I don't know what the heck I'm talking about. So, you know, the, the, the people I've collaborated with, my clients, you know, I actively work with all the major film studios. I'm very specific about who and what I collaborate with and, and what I do. So it's, it's, uh, you know, I try to be as strategic and specific in that regard and that, that helps. Nice. And, uh, you know, I thought, I thought that you had a very interesting start to your career. Um, most people would think, you know, you get affiliated with the organization first. So maybe you would, they would have thought you started with the Pittsburgh power, but actually you went out on your own and started reaching out to these athletes yourself. And I think, you know, it, when someone gets started and wanted to follow your career path, maybe they wouldn't think that's the proper approach. They would, they said, I got to serve my time in the, the machine and, you know, work for the organization. So what in particular did you do to actually catch these guys' attention? Cause like, I, I mean, I would think if I was a professional athlete and I saw some kid reaching out to me, no offense, you obviously were very good and successful, but I would see some kid reaching out to me and say, what's this guy want? I wouldn't give you the time of day, but clearly there's something about you as a person maybe, or something that you did or said to actually make an impact. And obviously it worked because you're still connected. You're still doing great things and helping people out. I mean, no offense taken. I mean, uh, Willie will be the first to tell you, he thought I was so annoying. He, (laughs) he, he didn't understand as to why I was reaching out and trying to provide value. And I never asked for anything. So he was so confused in that regard because he's like, there's just this, this white kid who's reaching out to me, like inquiring about me and my family, having a genuine interest in me on and off the field. He just didn't get that. But that's what set, separates me from everybody else is the authentic and genuine approach to relationships. I never wanted anything from Willie. It's not like I was like, hey, man, like I need season tickets. It was like, I just want to have a relationship with you. And then with that, it's being patient, it's being persistent, not annoying, persistent. And there's a big difference. Okay. Annoying is 70 times a day texting and not getting response. And then the Mm -hmm. next day doing that persistent is, okay, it's been a week, week and a half. I'm gonna try again, you know, reach out. Hey man, how's it going? You know, still no response. Cool. Maybe reach out in two weeks. That's persistent. There's a difference. Um, and especially these guys who are professional athletes or celebrities, they're very busy. They get thousands of texts a day. You have to be very lucky with the hands in their phone and things like that. But as a young kid, it was, it was a value, you know, not asking for anything first off, which separates you immediately and trying to provide whatever value you could in any given situation. So that's what I did. And once again, once you, you get in, once you get in, you're able to spread and, and connect with more people and then further add value. And then people start talking, man. I mean, and that's, that's the most important thing about your reputation is once you start delivering and people see that and there's, you're someone that they can rely on for whatever your phone will always ring and they'll always have something good to say about you. And that's, that's where you want to be. So, Brad, so let me go. Oh, go ahead, Mike. Go ahead. Go ahead, Emmanuel. <laughs> No, I was just going to say, like, Brad and myself have known each other for a, a bit of time now, and, and uh, I, I can attest to the fact of the network that Brad has been building is, is, is phenomenal. And, and just let me explain, you know, how, how Brad and me connected was I literally, you know, I have my daughter who's on World of Dance, NBC, and with J-Lo and all that, and, and I, we were looking at how do I promote her, and we're looking for, you know, different you know, managers or talent agents to help us. And I just literally reached out to Brad and say, Hey, you're in the business. Can you guide me? No word of a lie. Within five minutes, Brad was calling me on the phone saying, how can I help? And Brad, you remember that day? hundred percent. I was sitting right here. Dude, it was, <laughs> but, but, you know, we, you know, we, I think we, we look at what you're doing and, you know, some of the stuff that you're working on now, how, you know, how's it been for you now kind of, with what you were working on originally and then when COVID hits and now it kind of goes off into this tangent and this black hole, maybe talk a little bit about how that's changed your life. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, especially as an entrepreneur, it's all about adapting and being scrappy and, and moving on to go. Um, so entering, you know, before COVID, I mean, I was working on 
multiple campaigns with studios, uh, very consistent uh, campaigns and collaborations with artists and things like that. But when the entertainment industry basically shut down, uh, studios weren't releasing anything. So marketing campaigns weren't happening for the most part. And if they were happening, the budgets were so minimal that there was no work to really be done. They basically took the, the path of least resistance and created minimal content and pushed it out. Um, so I had to figure out a new path. Um, and, and find new ways to add value and kind of uh, focus more on what I can control. Uh, a lot of this is out of our hands and it sucks and it's frustrating. Uh, but for me, I kind of took a minute and was like, all right, I need to go all in on what I can control. So for me, that was development. So I've been working on an unscripted series that I've been putting a lot of time and effort to for the last few years. Uh, it's a reality TV show that I fully uh, support and it's it's my it's my baby it's my heart and soul um, so I'm very excited about it um, I can't say too much about it I'm actively pitching it right now um, but I'm really excited about it but diverting my time and effort into development of my show as well as the the film slate that I have right now with a producing partner of mine a really talented director um, and writer and uh, we're actively developing these projects so when the lights turn back on uh, so to speak, we're ready to go. Um, that's also me putting a lot of time and effort into doing podcasts and speaking engagements and uh, articles and write-ups and whatever I can do in that regard to build my brand and further build my the foundation that I have in this industry. I was saying the other day to someone, I was like, you can't be successful in the entertainment industry if you don't have a brand. And the only way to build a brand is by doing stuff like this. It takes time. You got to be consistent and you have to have a foundation. Because once again, like everybody has social media now, everybody is an influencer now, whatever. I don't want to be an influencer. I want to be a person of influence. There's a huge difference. So for me, I have to actively stay consistent with stuff like this to further build my name and, and, and my brand. So you stay relevant and continue to catch the eyes of people like Emmanuel who reached out to me. Like that's the, that's the greatest compliment I get is when, people reach out to me because they listen to a podcast or they found an article or they saw my website. That is the ultimate. You're doing what you need to be doing. I had, uh, I got reached out to about two weeks ago, uh, by a guy by the name of Twitch. Uh, Twitch is the co-host to Ellen. Uh, he's a phenomenal dancer. Uh, Manuel, I'm sure you know, Twitch insane, insanely talented guy. Um, he was in the step up films, just an all around creative genius. And he followed me out of the blue on Instagram and uh, we have mutual friends, but we, we haven't really like, we're not friends. Like I don't know him well. So for him to follow me and then shoot me a DM and basically say, Hey, I just listened to a podcast that you were on and I was just completely blown away by what you had to say. He's like, you were just consistently dropping gems and I appreciate what you do keep it up. And right then and there, I'm like, okay, you know, that, that's what you want to hear. You know what I mean? And that's all the, the focus that I put in, in this time frame of 2020 of just developing my projects, developing myself and focusing on what I can control. Because if I want to slip into the, the darkness and the void of life's unfair, this sucks, everything is horrible, nothing's going to get done. I think the, my favorite thing you just said during that was the line, I don't want to be an influencer. I want to influence. And that kind of insinuates that you don't want the, the, the glory and the fame. You don't want it to be your face in front of everything. You want to find people and, and really lift them up and really take their, whatever their passion is, take it to the next level. And that's, that's amazing. Thank it really you. is a, a really good mindset. I think that's probably why you got your foot in the door with the Pittsburgh Steelers to begin with. When you started reaching out, you know, people saw your, how genuine you were and, you know, the desire to actually help others, which is amazing. And I'm going to, I want to actually come back a little bit and kind of ask you about your, the show you're working on. I know you said you can't really say a lot of details and I understand sure. you're, you're still trying to get this off the ground. Can you at least give us maybe um, just a little bit of the premise of what, what it's about, and maybe what got yeah. you on that road? 
So this show is the culmination of my life, basically. Um, throughout my entire life, dating back to like high school, even elementary school, I've always been the guy to, if I have the opportunity to do something nice for somebody else, I'm going to do it. Big or small, I'm just going to add that value, put a smile on somebody else's face. That's the ultimate gratification that anyone could get. Um, it's not about what I get in return. If you do something nice for somebody else, you are guaranteed happiness in return every single time. And on top of that, you may get something in return. But if you don't, it's still a win. And that's what a lot of people just don't understand. And that's where they fail at building genuine relationships. Because if they don't get XYZ in a certain amount of time, they're pissed and they're out. And that's not a genuine approach. So you have to be patient. You have to do it for the right reasons and altruistically and you know things like that. So I've always been the guy to do that. I love surprising people. I love surprising them with gifts and experiences and just bringing joy and happiness to them. Um, so throughout my life, you know, when I was in, I think a senior in high school or freshman in college, I met a girl with cerebral palsy and I basically found out she loved David Archuleta from American Idol. And I got her backstage to meet David Archuleta two months later. Um, I didn't know David. I didn't have connections to David. I just took it upon myself to make that happen for her. And she said that was one of the best days of her life. And it was just me, you know, taking the opportunity to, to do something nice for somebody else, acknowledging the opportunity there. I see how happy she got when she got his CD. Wow. Okay. And I immediately walked over to her mother and was like, hey, uh, I'm Brad. Nice to meet you how would you feel if I hooked Jamie up with David Archuleta? And she was like, who are you? And uh, <laughs> amazing, you know? And that was like, that's been me my whole life. Shortly after um, Willie Parker, as I talked about. So I got connected to him 2005, 2006. So the relationship was still very young at this point. So in 2007, he was leading the league in rushing, which for an undrafted free agent was unheard of. A huge accomplishment for him. Second to last game of the season versus St. Louis Rams. He gets tackled low and basically breaks his ankle and lower leg out for the year. Ends up losing the rushing title to LaDainian Tomlinson because he didn't play the last two games and he only lost by a hundred some yards. So if he were to play the last two games, guaranteed locked up, huge accomplishment, money, gain, incentives for him, for him and his family. And he lost all of it and he slipped into a pretty nasty depression. Um, he didn't know if his career was over. I mean, as a running back, when you snap your lower leg and ankle, that's probably not a good thing. So he was in a very bad spot. So for me, I was like, okay, I'm a freshman in college, you know, senior in high school. What the hell could I do for a guy that has everything? He's a professional athlete. He has lots of money. He has all the toys. Like, what could I do? And my stupid ass, because I swing for the fence in every aspect of my life, was like, you know what? I know Willie. Once again, there's a thread here, right? Jamie loved David Archuleta. Boom. Willie, what I knew about him, what lit him up was his love for Michael Jordan. That was his idol. So I was like, I'm going to hook him up with Michael Jordan. Now, mind you, I didn't know Michael Jordan. I, I didn't have contacts with Michael Jordan, but I put in the work. And about two and a half months later, I surprised Willie and his whole family went up into Michael Jordan's suite at a then Charlotte Bobcats game. And he watched an NBA game, which happened to be against the Lakers. So not only did he get to sit with Michael Jordan and watch this game and see Kobe play, but he got to have one-on-one -on -one conversations with his idol, talk about life, talk about sports, have that one-to-one -one athlete mentality chat. And it got him set and back on his feet. And fast forward to like years, years later, this is probably three or four years ago. I'm on the field at Heinz Field with him years after, years. It's almost 10 years ago when the Michael Jordan thing happened. And he looks at me out of the blue and goes, you helped me meet Michael Jordan. That was the best day of my life. Now, mind you, this guy won two Super Bowls. He has two beautiful children, not taking anything away from them. But that's, once again, it's the point of one act of kindness one gesture of kindness, and that's the impact that that had on this man's life, right? And it's also back to your, this is your term, man, finding value. You saw the guy who has everything, what can I do to make what his life or his experience better? And you found it. It's amazing. Where's the void? Where's the void? What, what's lacking, right? What's off? What could I fix? What could I add? And, you know, most recently, 
I, after speaking at NC State University, a girl reached out to me who was in the crowd and she hit me up on IG and was like, hey, you're amazing. And I have a friend who's a three-time cancer survivor. He's studying to be a director. Uh, he's a total nerd. I think you guys would get along. Can you talk to him? I think he'd get a lot out of speaking with you. And I was like, of course, you know, no sweat. And uh, I ended up having a three-hour conversation with him, which was amazing. Uh, he had one of the most incredible stories I've ever heard of. Uh, the kid suffered cancer three times. He fought cancer three times in the first 10 years of his life. And he should have died each time. He survived on experimental treatments, and now he's 10 years cancer-free. Uh, incredible story. So as I'm getting to know this kid, I've kind of become a mentor, older brother for him. And uh, I asked him, I was like, hey, what's, what's next for you? And he's like, well, I need an internship to graduate. So for me, I'm like, all right, this kid's in entertainment. He wants to be a director. Let me make some calls. So what was really special for me is full circle this thing was. And I was able to connect him and get him an opportunity to intern with Robert Downey Jr. So I was able to connect that dot and make that full circle. I uh, called my relationships over there. They were grateful, uh, gracious enough to open the door and, and give this kid a shot and he killed it. And uh, that's what it's about. It was like, I see an opportunity. I'm going to do what I can. No promises. Right. But I'm going to try. And he ended up moving out to LA for the summer and working with Downey and his incredible team. And, uh, that was just phase one of my master plan because knowing what I knew about this kid, I asked him, I was like, you're fighting cancer three times in the first 10 years of your life. That's miserable. That's, that's, I wouldn't put that on anybody. How did you fight against that negativity and that depression and that challenge? What, what did you latch onto for happiness in those terrible days? And he looks at me and he goes, honestly, you know, I'm a huge Spider-Man fan. And, and I used to watch the Tobey Maguire films and, and the, the animated series. And that would just, I connected with Peter because Peter got injected with this poison, which gave him powers. And then he had the burdens of what that brought with the villains and stuff like that. And he was just a kid and he was fighting this, this poison and, and, and trying to live life and get through the adversity that he was faced with. So that's what I did. I, I really resonated with that character. It helped me get through my darkest days. So at that time of hearing the story, I was actively working with Sony Pictures on the marketing campaign for Spider-Man Far From Home. So I knew there was something I had to do for this kid dealing with Spider-Man. So I made some calls and I, I told him that Sony was going to give me an exclusive look at some never-before-seen footage of Spider-Man Far From Home. And what was great about this is it was a quick trailer never before seen footage. And I asked them if it would be cool if he would watch it with me. And they were like, yeah, you know, three-time cancer survivor, you know, love Spider-Man, no brainer, right? No brainer. So I, I ran out this theater room. I put cameras up because it's a reaction video and the video starts to play. And about 10 seconds in, I get a phone call and I'm like, dude, I got to take this, but you finish and I leave the room. So he's in there by himself. So he could experience this by himself. So, 15 more seconds go by and the trailer glitches out like it broke. So at this point, he's just like, what the hell's going on? Smash cut to the sky, to trees, to a building, to me walking out of a building. Now, mind you, I just left the room, but now I'm on screen. So he really has no freaking clue what's going on at this point. He's so confused. And I walk, walk in towards the camera. I'm like, what are you doing, man? A reaction video of footage from Spider-Man Far From Home? I was like, look, the trailers look amazing and I cannot wait to see this movie, but we don't have time for this right now. I need you to go back to your apartment, put on that suit I told you to bring to LA because we're going to the premiere tonight. And he just lost his shit, screaming, crying, mental. And it was, it was amazing. So the, the, the sneak peek was bullshit. None of it was real. It was this experience that I put together for him to ultimately reveal to him that he was going to go to the premiere that night. And we did. We went to the premiere. He walked the red carpet. He met some of the cast at the after party. I introduced him to Kevin Feige and gave him the ultimate Spider-Man Marvel experience. And all this stuff to say, my show is about finding people who are currently suffering or who have suffered who are in need of some happiness and it's our job to bring that happiness to them. That's what the show's about. Brad, this is pretty incredible stuff, man. Very, very incredible. Like you're amazing. Thanks, like, man. 
expect a friend request right after this, man. Let's do it. Let's <laughs> uh, the next thing is uh, you influenced me today because I'm not hey, love to a, see it. a Steelers fan, but <laughs> I'm rooting for the Steelers now because my great friend Brad is I got his it. uniform. For the listeners that can't see, Brad is decked out. He's ready to go on the field right now. He's, um, he's waiting to find out if uh, the head coach is going to be there tonight because I think <laughs> he can fill in for Tomlin. Give us your prediction today, man. I know you're excited about it. I know you came on the show to speak about sports. Tell us what's going to go on today. Honestly, man, uh, I've, I've been talking to some of the guys this week and, and getting some inside scoops, and I've heard nothing but Ben is as locked in as ever. He was on everybody this week, screaming, yelling, no games are being played. And everybody's focused and, and laser focused on the goal at hand. Ben knows he only has a few years left. If, if not this year, this is his last year. So he's not playing around. He said in an interview this week, he was blunt. And he was like, look, whatever it takes to win this game, I'm going to do it. So I really believe that the Steelers are going to just make a statement tonight. And, uh, you know, I'm proud of the Browns. The first time in 18 or 19 years that they made the playoffs. It's awesome. But it's just not. It's just not going to work tonight. Are you really proud of the Browns? Because I know you're a proud Steelers fan, so you yeah, probably but look, have. <laughs> look, th- this goes back to like I want to see people happy and successful, right? But just not against my Steelers. So um, no, but it, in all seriousness, yeah, I mean it, it's a it's a big deal. I mean I, I've been lucky that the Steelers have been successful for most of my life, um, and I'm sure I'll come to a point where the Steelers aren't as successful, and that's just life. I mean, look at New England once Tom Brady left, um, and yes, oh. that's a shot at the Patriots. Um, so yeah, I mean it's 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 part of life. You'll have uh, ups and downs, and that's the way it is. So I'm, I'm happy for the Browns. <laughs> You'd be surprised. You know, we live in Boston. I'm actually not a Patriots fan. I actually despise Good. the Patriots. I, I hate them so bad. I lo- We're soulmates, man. We're brothers. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm actually a Buccaneers fan, so I got to take their trash. Oh, and, wow. Okay. Yeah, it, I'm not a bandwagon, by the way. I'm just want to put Well, it you out took there. our trash, too. Who? Um, oh, I, I would have been fine without him. <laughs> I, I was a little sour on the move. I don't want to get into it. I, I thought we were better than that. I mean, I, I, I hope... I hope AB um, gets better mentally and takes care of his business. I, he has 100%. a really checkered past. I just would have wished from a, from a fan's perspective, you know, a team, I'm very prideful of my team. I would have liked to see him atone for what he's done before they signed him rather than them signing them and then saying, yeah, let's just hope he does the right thing now. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, Accountability. Who would have thought? Yeah. So you being a big Steelers fan, I know you're going to say Steelers. Um, and I think this is funny that we're recording uh, at like 5.30 on Sunday. It's just for people who are listening. You know, you're going to probably be listening Monday morning. So we have no idea what's happened to the game. It, the game's in a few hours. Obviously, Brad's very passionate, all decked out in his gear. Um, do you have a, like a prediction as far as the score goes? And this is great because if you're right, you're going to look like it. Not only are yeah, you yeah. a producer, uh, <laughs> international speaker, and a talent manager, but you're a guru and a, a good sports at the books, bookie. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. Um, or no, you could I mean, look foolish. So yeah, what do you sure. think? Give me, give me your look, prediction I, I, for tonight. I think the Steelers win. Like, that's my overall prediction. But if I were to guess, like I said, I really think they're going to bring it tonight. And I'm saying 31-13 Steelers. Um, I think they're going to rise to the occasion. I think the Browns are kind of entering a hostile environment, um, especially having no experience of being in the playoffs uh, for a long time. And, uh, you know, with a laser-focused Ben and uh, the – they're getting a lot of key pieces back. I really think the Steelers are going to win convincingly tonight. Okay, so Brad, Big Ben says, hey, listen, I won the Super Bowl again this year. Right? I'm not trying to jinx you today. I'll knock on wood. All right? He retires. He says, well, I'm done. You're now the head of the Steelers. The Steelers call you and say, Brad, we need someone. Right? <laughs> Who is your guy? Who do you want to see come in? Right? And take that spot, which is so important in the NFL, right? So we, who's that guy for? Immediately, immediately trade for Deshaun Watson. Wow. Oh, okay. We, we trade for Deshaun Watson. I think if he comes to the Steelers with that defense, they're immediately Super Bowl favorites. Now, you want the good news or the bad news first? Okay. He's a good. News. He wants good news. He's a positive okay. man. He wants only good news. So he wants to be traded. He came out and said it a couple of days ago. But he has a no trade clause, so we have to hear your pitch, and we'll send this to him. 
like immediately right after the show. <laughs> but what's your pitch? Why? Because Miami's going hard right now. They're like, hey, we might have a quarterback for you. What's your pitch to have him come and dress in the, the black and gold? What's more historic and blue collar than the Pittsburgh Steelers? I mean, if you want to come win a championship, why not come to the team with arguably the best defense and some of the best offensive weapons? And the organization itself, historic. Family tree, man, the Roonies. You can't beat it. It's blue collar. There's a legacy there. And now, the, 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 well, hold on. The guys that come here, the guys that come to the Steelers, they say it's by far the best organization they've ever been a part of. It's a family. It's a brotherhood. And the people that leave end up regretting it big time. I mean, I can't disagree with you. They, they have great player retention rates. Guys usually go to the Steelers and they actually get better. They don't get worse. So I think you've made some great points. And Deshaun might consider it now. Who knows? We'll send that. We'll, we'll cut this up and send it to him afterwards. This is the only one pitch. Well, look, let me, let me say this. I would not be surprised if another Texan makes his way to Pittsburgh. Ooh, who's that? I'm thinking now. Is he talking about Dak? No, a Texan. Another Texan. Uh, Guys, two of his brothers are on the freaking team. One of the uh, the Palancies, uh You still got are one of the Palancies? He's talking about J.J. Watt. <laughs> J.J. Watt. Oh. <laughs> J.J. is tired of losing, as Deshaun is. That, that organization is a mess. And he's got a few years left, and he wants to win a championship. So what's he going to do? He's going to go to Pittsburgh, probably take a significant pay cut, play with both of his brothers, which tell me the last time that's happened where three brothers were on the same team, finish his career with his brothers in the NFL and play for the historic Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I will say there's a damn good chance. Hopefully you're right because then we'll get way more viewers to, to chime in because we have the Notre Dame of uh, the NFL. Look, I'd love to see it. I would love to see it. Now, we have Cam Hayward. We have Stefan Tuitt. Do we need J.J. Watt? Not really. I mean, from a depth standpoint. But, like, if you want to add him into the mix, I don't think anybody's going to say no to that. You limit his snap count. He's not going to get the blunt of the snaps anyway. But to come in and spell for Cam and Tuitt, and, and stack the line in certain situations, by all means, 100%. And I'm just, I just looked it up and confirmed he is going to be a free agent this offseason. He turned down the extension. So you oh, very well could be right. Yeah, He's out of there, 100%. And look, uh, did I think the Steelers were going to pick up Derek Watt? No way. But, hey, they did. Yeah, and it, uh, is Derek's the, the fullback, correct? TJ correct. is the linebacker. Yeah, he, correct. TJ's yeah. been fantastic for you guys all He's year. He's a freak. And imagine TJ and JJ on the same line. Are you kidding me? Yeah. And like, the, Steelers, the Steelers have had a habit of finding other teams. I don't want to say trash, but, you know, taking players other teams don't want and making them great. I mean, look at Minka Fitzpatrick. Um, he was okay with the Dolphins. You know, they want to do the rebuild. He took off, went to the Steelers, and he's been freak. unbelievable. Yeah. Worth every penny that they've 100%. given him. 100%. So you heard it first, folks. Number one. J.J. Watt will be a Steelers next year, Steeler player next year. Book it. Number two, hit that Steelers bet tonight. Well, actually, no one's going to be listening to this. I'm going to hit the bet now because they are definitely going to smoke the Browns, and we'll all be very happy about that. Mike, did you have something? I do. Um, I know you said you didn't want to talk about the Pirates. I just want to plug one thing in about the Pirates. They need a new owner. They need a new owner. 100%. Can you please talk – to whoever's owning it to sell it to Mark Cuban. He would look, be the look, most amazing. Doesn't care. He doesn't care. Like Mario Lemieux tried to buy them, not interested. Mark Cuban has expressed interest, not interested. He doesn't care about winning. He cares about money. That's why he trades away all the best players. That's why he, he stashes all the cash. He doesn't give a shit that the stadium's empty. And mind you, PNC Park is arguably the most beautiful baseball stadium in the country. Yeah. I think a problem with baseball is they have a a revenue share. So poor market teams, teams that aren't, you know, generating a lot of money, they're actually receiving money from other owners. So if you're the Pittsburgh pirates owner, you keep uh, your, you know, your salary down, you're just raking in money from other other owners. owners. Yeah. He doesn't care. He hasn't cared for a long time. And he shows that he just, he just traded Josh Bell. 
Yeah, like one of the best players on our team in the last decade. Bye. Like, see ya. And what do you think about Ben Charrington, by the way? Because Ben Charrington, he's the GM for them. He used to be the GM for the Red Sox. He's actually a good guy. Like, he, he well, knows what he's uh, hey, look, as long as the ownership's there, and I don't care who's there. Like, it, it's just not going to happen. And he proves that by every decision that they make. And it's just like, I feel bad for anybody who has to work with that ownership. And going back to Deshaun Watson, the ownership of the Pittsburgh Steelers, top, top line. You don't have to deal with this kind of garbage. So I want to kind of take, pull you away from sports just for one minute and get back to the entertainment side. Because you mentioned ca- very casually dropped, oh, I have three Clio Awards, which is pretty sweet. I just want to know what's the uh, atmosphere like at the, uh, this awards ceremony? Because I imagine, I mean, oh, it's a Hollywood it, ceremony. It must be pretty fun, look, right? Look, look, look. It, 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 they, they have a ceremony. I wasn't there. Like, it, it's, it's, not, it's not like the Oscars oh. in that presentation regard. But they do. I think they have it at the Dolby. Um, the Dolby theater, but yeah, I mean, it, I, I managed those campaigns. I was grateful to, to be a part of those campaigns, but in regards to event and stuff like that, like I can't speak to that. Uh, I can speak to premieres all day long. Now that, that in itself is, uh, it, it is the ultimate movie going experience. It's the best night out on the town. Um, I'm so, that's probably the, one of the most things I'm grateful for is to just to go and and be able to do that as often as I do, and I can't wait to get back. Well, now you have me excited when you mention that and the premiere party and how fun that is, because you have a pretty long list of projects you've worked on in Hollywood. Um, it includes Avengers Endgame, um, you, as you mentioned earlier, the new the Spider Man Far From Home, uh, Bad Boys for Life. So it's just, it's just, it keeps going and going. So, what was the most fun premiere party out of the list of premiere parties you've attended? <laughs> I mean. Uh, the and you can event- give me all the crazy stories. It's fine. No one listens to our podcast yeah. <laughs> anyways, so just oh, go stop. at it. No, I mean, Avengers Endgame was, like, out of this world. Like, I've never seen a premiere for a movie rent out a convention center. And that's what they did. Like, not only did they have satellite premieres on Hollywood Boulevard, which is where they always have premieres. They, they closed down Hollywood Boulevard. They have uh, either one of the theaters, either Chinese, Dolby, or uh, El Capitan. But they had rented out all of those for satellite premieres. But the main premiere was at the convention center. So they, they rented that whole thing out. They built a functioning theater within the convention center, which is absurd. And just being there for that, frankly, I had no business being there. But, I mean, when you saw who was actively there and walking the carpet and, you know, I love those premieres not only for watching the film and the experience, but – the people who are there, you don't get to run into them ever. Like, it's just not. So it's, it's, it's fair game to, to walk up and have conversations with people you'll be lucky to see in your entire life. And I actively do that. Every premiere, I go right at Kevin Feige, and I find him and speak to him. I go to Asadi Oz, who's the president of marketing at Disney. I go to the talent and speak. Like, at Endgame, I talk to Taika Waititi, Kevin Feige, Alan Silvestri, uh, Jim Quick, Tom Bilyeu. Um, sat with Tessa Thompson for a little bit. I mean, it, it's things like that where you got to have some fun with it. And it's, you know, that's where I'm able to build my relationships with these high level people, because frankly, you're not going to see them or have the opportunity to, to connect with them really any other, any other way. So actually, I'm glad we started going down the pathway of movie premieres, because I want to call back a discussion we had two episodes ago. Um, we were talking about Wonder Woman 84 and, yeah. you know, how it, premiered not only in theaters but also streaming on hbo max on the same day and you know we talked about how part of it's because of the pandemic obviously the attendance at theaters are are down because no one really wants to go to theaters at the moment but we also thought you know this could be the future where there's more things being released um straight to streaming or straight to whatever and in the past if you've ever looked at movies that went straight to dvd they're movies that no one ever want to watch. No offense to those movies, but you know, you've always turned your nose up at those movies like, Oh, you're going yeah. straight to DVD. What an insult. Um, do you think, you know, be, being connected to the industry, do you think the future of film will start leading more towards streaming and away from the actual in movie uh, in theater experience? Uh, I don't think it's going to move away from it. I think it's moved away from it specifically because of COVID that's it. Um, and the, the film industry is adapting 
that and and the way to adapt is look they have to find a way to make money whether it's a lot of money or not a lot of money and that's why they chose to go the hbo max route or disney disney plus has kind of played around with those ideas but at the end of the day like for me personally i will always go to the movies uh i'm generally there two to three times a week keeping up with the, the latest projects and things like that but um i do believe that streaming is very much part of the future um I would kind of change it in regard to not have it day and day. Um, I think you still want people to go to the theaters. I would have it maybe two or three weeks after it releases in theaters to, to be available to stream. Um, but, you know, at the same time, like there are a lot of people who don't want to go to the movies and they're more than happy sitting at home, you know, watching it on their own setup and that's fine. Um, but I also want to see, I was talking to a friend today about this. I want to see digital content, streaming content, go to theaters. So imagine going to the movie theaters and sitting down and watching three episodes of Stranger Things. That would be sick. Um, watching the latest episode of Mandalorian in a Dolby theater. Like, like that, that's high-level content. And I'm not saying every streaming service show, but the big like temple titles, Stranger Things, Mandalorian, things like that, those are the ones that I think you could have – um, some theatrical releases for. And I think you will see that down the road. So I think you have a good point as far as the movie experience, especially with, you know, if you were to bring like Stranger Things to the movie, you get the great sound, the huge scream. But for me, the hurdle is always going to be the price to go to a movie theater nowadays. You're paying, because it's not, it's not your, your AMC of 20 years ago, right? You have the really great reclining sure. seats. It's beautiful theaters. So you're paying 15 bucks a ticket. You're paying 15 bucks a person for, you know, popcorn and soda. I just find it hard to believe that that model will keep up where you have, where you could just wait a couple of weeks and see it at home. And look, and, and that's, that's the, the trend. I mean, you will have people who are comfortable with doing that and that's fine. And what I think will happen is unfortunately you will see a significant amount of theaters have to close. So instead of having six theaters in a 20 mile radius, you'll have three. So I think that will be the the thing that will have to happen until the industry really kind of recovers, which I think it'll take a few years for that to happen. But once again, like, going to the movies isn't just about watching the show. It's an experience. It's a night out. It's something to do, you know, like that. That's why you go. Like I can't have a frozen Coke and a, a big popcorn and be in a, a chair with surround sound in my house. I can't do it. I'm not, I'm not Bill Gates. Like that's not what I'm doing here. So like, not yet. I, uh, exactly. I, but that's why I go to the movies like that to me is a night out. It's an experience walking down the hallway, smelling the popcorn. Like it's a whole thing. And that, that will never get old to me, but some people like they're, they're homebodies. They like staying at home chilling and they don't want to spend all that money by all means. But we have enough streaming content to consume at our house as it is. So to be able to have those significant temple titles and opportunities to go watch something in theater, I'm going to take that every day of the week. And then there are some titles that I just don't care about and I'll wait till they come out and stream or rent or whatever. But for the most part, I will see everything in theaters. Brad, where were you last week? Because I had an argument with these two goons about this and they both told me, I said, right. They, people are still dating. They want that experience. 100%. The dating world alone with all of these apps like Tinder and Facts. All, all, your third traditional date is to bring the girl or your partner to the movies. 100%. Just that simple. So they're always going to have 100%. one of That's those. That's not what they say about the third date, Mike. <laughs> well, Trudeau, you've only had one date in your life. And I'm pretty <laughs> sure it was a date. So. <laughs> Yikes. From one nerd to another, Brad, Okay. You could be any superhero. Who would you be? Uh, I have two answers for this. Um, obviously, I worked with Downey. Obviously, I love Tony Stark. I'm going to go the route of Tony Stark because he has insane amounts of money to do what he wants to do and impact the world. And then he's a superhero on the side in a multi-billion dollar, trillion dollar suit. So like that would be fun as hell. Um, to have a platform like Tony and do with it what you will and then be Iron Man would be amazing. I also would love to be Spider-Man. Um, I think the, the, the thrill of Spider-Man web swinging through, through a city like New York or something like that, I think would just be amazing. Having the abilities that he has, I think would be a blast. Um, and I also think the flash would be a lot of fun. Um, 
So very underrated superhero, by the way, the Flash. I agree. Wait, wait a minute. I'm devastated you didn't say you want to be Emmanuel Pacheco. <laughs> you said super Brad. Bud. God's gift of the fart. That's not. <laughs> that's not anything. Like, come on. All right. The, the last question I have before we let you go, because I know you, you have a game to go, Coach, um, is very simply. Oh, Stephen wants Stephen wants another question too, so he'll get one too. The last question that we had was really simple. What is your favorite movie? You're around them Dude. all the time. Wow. But you people can only ask, pick one. Yeah, people ask me one. this all the time. I I don't. No. I don't. All right. Like, pick a genre then, because that's the more, a little more uh, ambiguous. Yeah, I mean, like I I can go like if we I love rom coms, so if we go rom coms, I'm going to say Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Oh. oh. Oh, that's that's one of that's one of my like my goal after watching that is i'm gonna produce a rom-com in hawaii like hawaii is one of my most favorite place in, in, Brad, in the whole I'm world i'm gonna bring my wife in because she's gonna tell you what my favorite movie is <laughs> it's forgetting sarah marshall yes Brad. <laughs> two kindred souls you now, guys found each other it is one of the the greatest well-written comedy just all of it is is just and the cast is ridiculous um russell brand in it is phenomenal jason siegel is amazing uh kristen bell mila kunis like are you jonah hill was yeah jonah hill like paul rudd like the the cast is amazing bill Hader, like it's just that that's a judd apatow like classic you know just so good um but yeah, that that's that's a genre I'm actively working on myself to to literally. I went to Hawaii uh, the last two years to kind of scope it out and get some ideas, and and I love I love Hawaii. So definitely gonna be producing a, a film out there for a, a rom com, and then um, you know superheroes tough. Uh, I love the superhero genre. I think The Dark Knight is up there for one of the best superhero films of all time. Heath Ledger's performance is Oscar worthy. And that showed um, that film together was just amazing. Winter soldier is, is fantastic. What the Russo brothers did with that film. Um, the first Iron Man, that's what put us on this path. Um, I think is iconic, but what you saw with infinity war and then Endgame, that's something I don't think you'll see for a very long time. Brad, I just want to say thank you from the bottom of our hearts for joining us today. I know you've been amazing. You've probably inspired all of us to do, to do great things. And I think after this conversation with you, I got to say one thing. The only person that inspires me in life is Emmanuel Pacheco. (laughs) (laughs) That is. (laughs) I didn't pay him. Um, Brad, before we get you out of here, bud, are there any, I know you're working on your project. Now you're pitching it. Um, I don't know if there's any other projects you want to tell us about that you're working on before you get out of here. And can you tell people, you know, if they're interested, they like what they heard. Can you tell them where to find you and how to get in touch with you? Yeah, I would say Instagram is, is my bread and butter. So you can follow me on there at Brad R Lambert um, and uh, hit me up and uh, enjoy the journey. All right, Brad, we really want to thank you for your time today and uh, go Steelers, man. Yeah, let's go. Enjoy the game tonight. All right, everybody. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for listening. Uh, If you liked what you heard, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review, and we'll talk to you all next week. Peace out.